Section 4 of How a British Subject Became President of the United States by Arthur P. Hinman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kevin Davidson. Extracts, Town Records of Fairfield, Vermont, Volume 1. Reverend Anson B. Hand, Marriage, September 30th, 1830. Reverend Isaac Hill, Marriage, July 4th, 1825. Reverend Isaac Hill, Marriage, March 19th, 1834. Reverend S. Nash, Rector, Union Church, Marriage, June 6th, 1832. Page 184. Reverend Isaac Leonard, Marriage, December 20th, 1833. Page 192. Reverend Peter Chase. Marriage. February 1834. Also, births recorded and school meetings, etc. William Arthur and two others elected at town meeting, superintending committee for schools. March 2nd, 1829 to March 1st, 1830. No other record of the Arthur name. There is a Catholic Episcopal and Congregational Church now at Fairfield Center, and a Union Church at North Fairfield, on the same spot where William Arthur preached. It was then a Baptist church, but that was torn down twelve years ago, and this Union Church built in its place. It is within half a mile of where Chester Abel Arthur was born. A.P.H. December 1880 Fairfield, Franklin County, State of Vermont Salmon Soul says he resides at Fairfield, Franklin County, State of Vermont. I was born in New York State, and came here and have resided in the town of Fairfield since I was one year old. I am now eighty-five years old, and will be eighty-six on the twenty-sixth day of January, 1881. I knew Reverend William Arthur when he preached in this town, which was from about 1827 or 1828 until about 1831. I remember of hearing at that time of Reverend William Arthur having a boy born who was named after Dr. Chester Abel, a physician practicing in this town. I also knew the doctor, for he cut off my toe in the year 1826, which would cause me to remember him. I don't remember of any other children of the minister spoken of at the time. I don't remember seeing the minister Arthur's wife, although I may have. He, the minister, was about my age. I don't know where he came from when he commenced to preach here, and when he left I heard he went to the state of New York to preach. Attest, Salmon Soul, E.C. Soul, Justice of the Peace. Town of Sheldon, Franklin County. Calvin Abel says... I am seventy-six years of age, and reside in the town of Sheldon, Franklin County, and have resided in Franklin County, Vermont, all my life. 
chester abel arthur son of william arthur was named after my brother chester abel i know his name that is the child's name that was born in the town of fairfield was chester abel arthur william arthur's wife's father was named washington stone her name i think was melvina i always understood that his wife's father resided in canada i know of but one child born in the town of fairfield franklin county and i think he was the first-born i don't remember any brothers of chester abel arthur my brother named him with the permission of his father and mother he was the family doctor and had been a doctor for about fourteen years in fairfield centre i think i have heard that my brother the doctor and reverend william arthur married cousins my brother chester abel married the daughter of benjamin stone of east berkshire in this state and the reverend william arthur married washington stone's daughter over the line in canada i think elder arthur moved from fairfield before my brother's death reverend william arthur was between thirty and forty years of age when in fairfield i knew him personally while here and remember seeing him since about twenty-nine years ago, and spoke to him at that time. Attest, Calvin Abel, E.C. Sole Justice of the Peace. Town of Fairfield, State of Vermont. Leonard D. Gear says, I am sixty-nine years old. I was born here, and resided in this town nearly all my life, except three or four years. I remember Reverend William Arthur when he came here. He married his wife in Berkshire, Franklin County, Vermont, against the wishes of his father-in-law, and moved into Canada just over the line. They had two children born them in Canada before they came here, two or three, certain, and I think more. There was one boy named Chester Abel Arthur, none by the name of chester allen arthur was born here chester abel was named after dr chester abel the wives of william arthur and of dr abel were either sisters or cousins the boy chester abel arthur was born over fifty-five years ago at least i'm not certain whether a boy was born in canada or not but no chester allen arthur was born here in eighteen thirty he left this place in 1830, and had four or five children when he left here. Some were attending school here at the time. Mrs. Arthur's name was Stone, a New England or Yankee woman. Attest, Leonard D. Gear, E.C. Soul, Justice of the Peace. To Arthur P. Hinman, New York City, New York, I, A.G. Soul, upon oath, depose and say that i am a town clerk for the town of fairfield in the county of franklin and state of vermont that i have examined and searched the records of births in the town clerk's office in said town of fairfield and do not find recorded therein between the years a d eighteen twenty five and a d eighteen thirty five the birth of any child therein named chester a arthur a g soul town clerk dated at fairfield this thirty-first day of december eighteen eighty state of vermont franklin county 
subscribed and sworn to at fairfield in said county this thirty-first day of december a d eighteen eighty before me john mcqueeny justice of the peace state of vermont franklin county wilbur p davis clerk of the county court for the county of franklin in the state of vermont hereby certify that john mcqueeny esq was a justice of the peace with and for the county aforesaid that his commission is dated on the first day of december a d eighteen eighty and will expire on the thirtieth of november a d eighteen eighty two and that he is duly qualified by the laws of this state to administer oaths for general purposes to take depositions and acknowledgments of deeds and other written instruments and to his official acts and attestations full faith and credit ought to be given franklin l s county court vermont in testimony whereof is my official seal and signature william p davis clerk i had considerable trouble in getting that last certificate the town clerk refused to give one for a long time but this letter will inform you better than i can fairfield vermont january third eighteen eighty one a p hinman esq dear sir the delay in forwarding the enclosed search of town clerk is not attributable to negligence on my part the town clerk who is a stalwart republican objected to consult the records in an official capacity and certify accordingly and did not do so until december thirty first although requested to do so on the evening of your departure from fairfield being uncertain whether the town clerk would comply with my request I delayed until he did so before applying to the county clerk for a certificate which I have just now received, trusting that the enclosed papers are sufficiently explicit that you have not been seriously inconvenienced or injured by this unfortunate delay. I await with much curiosity further developments. Very respectfully, W. H. Fairchild, Attorney. Bedford Q. February 5th, 1881. Mr. A. P. Hinman, dear sir. In answer to your inquiry, I will state to the best of my recollection, William Arthur taught a district school at Stanbridge Mills in 1830 and 31, and a part of 1832, and his family lived here. He married Malvina Stone of Dunham, and her brother, S. W. Stone, was my brother-in-law. The first son died at Burlington, Vermont. Consequently, the present C. A. Arthur was born in Canada, while he taught school, I lived about two miles from Stanbridge Mills. I never knew of their living in Fairfield, Vermont, any length of time. Mrs. William Arthur went home often when her children were born. I'm very positive C.A. Arthur was born in Canada, Massequa County. J.H. Corey. Mr. Hinman, the above is J.H. Corey's statement in his own handwriting. Part of it is hardly legible, but I guess you could make it out. Yours, etc., Lyndall Corey, per M.D.C. Mrs. Captain John Chandler's widow went to school to William Arthur at Stanbridge, Upper Mills, Canada, the second time he came there, in 1830, remembers him as a lame man. She remembers his daughter, attended school at the same time, and one day had quite a laugh at the names of his children when his daughter referred to them in a letter written to her mother. The little girl who was writing the letter was Regina Melvina Maria Arthur. A brother was named William Abel Chester Arthur, 
and all the other children had four names each. They lived at Dunham, Canada. There were five or six children at the time. Mrs. Arthur was the daughter of a Methodist preacher who lived at Meg's Corner, Dunham, Canada, and Mrs. Chandler was their next neighbor. Her daughter, Mrs. Samuel Stanton, also remembers her mother speaking of the queer names of William Arthur's children, and repeated the names above given, and one in between. Joseph Eaton attended school in 1830 and 1831, when William Arthur taught school the last time at Stanbridge, Upper Mills, Canada. He now lives in Fairfield, Vermont, said his cousin Luther Burley, of St. Armand P.Q., attended school there at the same time, the teacher's oldest girl. Regina attended school part of the time. She told him her mother was living at Meg's Corners, about seven miles away, with her sisters and brothers. Lyndall Corey of Stanbridge, Canada, P.Q., remembers William Arthur, went to school to him, also that he was married and had a family at Dunham Flats, and when he left, there heard of him at Fairfield, Vermont. Heard William Arthur say that while there he delivered the prayer one fourth of July, and Dr. Chester Abel delivered the oration. He, Arthur, said that it took him three days to get up the prayer, and that he received one hundred dollars for delivering it. Knows that William Arthur had a son born at Dunham Flats before he went to the States. Mr. Corey's business is that of a surveyor. He also remembered William Arthur before he became a Baptist, officiating as an officer in the Episcopal Church at Dunham Flats, when the Reverend Mr. Cotton was rector. He, Corey, had a cousin, Simon Orcutt, who now lives in Ayresflat, town of Hadley, P.Q., who was married twice, and the first time William Arthur married him in Corey's presence about forty years ago. William Arthur was then at Hinesboro Academy, Vermont. He was well acquainted with Stephen Stone, brother of Mrs. William Arthur, who died in Wisconsin, referred to me to Brom Seeley and Joseph Baker of Dunham Flats, and Leonard and Hall, joint prothonotaries, Sweetsburg P.Q. He also remembers that William Arthur married Malvina Stone, daughter of Squire George Washington Stone, who lived at Meg's Corners, Dunham Flats, Canada, P.Q., and that it was a runaway match. The old squire, who was a Methodist preacher, being opposed to the match, went to school when William Arthur's daughter, Regina, attended school in Stanbridge. She was then about eleven or twelve years old. This was the second time he taught school in Stanbridge, after William Arthur left Dunham Flats. He next lived in Sutton, Canada, just over the line. Stanbridge, January 13, 1881, my dear sir. Your letter the tenth instant came to hand last evening. You say that you have written to Orcutt and have received no answer. You call him Simon when his name is Lyman. That probably is the cause of no answer being returned. You speak of a Mr. Thomas of Sutton Flats. I know some people in Sutton by the name of Thomas, but do not know that either of them is your man. The old gentleman, Baker, is the person who informed me that William Arthur sold his dead son for dissection to the physicians at Burlington, as I reported to you at Earl's Hotel. Of course, he knows something about the matter, if he would testify. I know of no way to ferret out anything with regard to the name and age of the boy at Dunham, unless by an old lady residing at Adamsville, who is aunt 
to the mother of the Arthur whom you are pursuing, and must have been a resident of Dunham at the time of his birth. An old man by the name of Davies, now residing at West Shefford, was residing at Stanbridge at the time that Arthur was a resident of the same place, and must know something about his children. The information you want of Orcutt I can get by way of my son, who is son-in-law to Orcutt. I feel disposed to do all in my power for you and your party, but I am sorry to say that I am unable to make the researches required without assistance, as I am a poor man. The old lady referred to must have been a resident of Dunham at the time of young Arthur's birth, and being a relative she must remember something about him. Please write me at once, if you think it is consistent to do so. Anything you write in confidence will be safe. Respectfully, Lyndall Corey. Stanbridge East, P.Q., January twentieth, 1881. A.P. Hinman, Esquire, Attorney, etc. Dear Sir, Your two letters of date January 18th, with enclosures of $5 each, received by last night's mail. I have talked with old Mr. Baker in regard to his having told me once that Elder Arthur lost a son by death, which circumstance and others connected with it he has fully recollected, with the exception of his name, which had slipped his memory. I am going to-day to see a J. H. Corey, who professes to know somewhat about the matter, and to-morrow I will start for Adamsville to see the aunt, after which I will inform you further. I will make all the researches possible, if it is your wish, for which I trust I will receive a fair remuneration. I will endeavor to write you again Saturday, and if you have any new suggestions, please drop me a line on receipt of this. Respectfully yours, Lyndall Corey, per MDC. P.S. I have a reliable evidence that Elder Arthur was a resident of Stanbridge fifty years ago by a marriage that he performed at that time. Since writing the above, I have interviewed J. H. Corey, who appears to be positive that your man was born on British soil, and says that you are mistaken in regard to his name being Chester Allen, as he was named Chester Abel, after one Abel Adams, then a resident of this vicinity. However, to-morrow I will commence a more extended tour, and with your assistance hope to furnish you with more positive information. Yours, L.C., per M.D.C. THE OLD AUNT'S TESTIMONY Mr. Corey subsequently saw the aunt of Chester A. Arthur, referred to in this letter, and here is the result of his interview, written by himself. Stanbridge, East P.Q., January 24, 1881. A. P. Hinman, Esquire, Attorney-at-Law, Dear Sir, Since my last letter to you I have seen the old aunt referred to previously, but did not succeed in getting as much information from her as I wished to. I will give you, as nearly verbatim as possible, the conversation between us. I. Did you know one William Arthur, who once lived at Dunham Flat? She. I knew him well. His wife was a relative of mine. I. Do you know the name of the eldest son? She. I do. His name is Chester Abel Arthur. I, I think he was named after your first husband, Abel Adams? She, no, he was named after the physician who assisted at his birth. I, do you know the place of birth? She, 
Yes. He is born at Fairfield Centre, Vermont. I. Did you ever see the records of his birth? She. No. I. Have you any personal knowledge that the place named is his place of birth? She. No. Only from report. I. Is the physician Chester Abel living? She. No, he is dead, and also is his wife. I. When William Arthur, the father of C. A. Arthur, left Fairfield, where did he go? She. He went to Burlington to study law, and just before the time for his examination there was a religious revival in the town which caused him to abandon his intended profession and turned preacher. His first preaching was in Burlington. From that place, I think, he returned to Fairfield and then to Stanbridge. This is the substance of the old lady's story, she, however, refusing to sign a certificate of her statement. I also interviewed Captain William Davis and Warren Stone, both of West Shefford, who resided at Stanbridge at the time that William Arthur was at that place. They agreed in saying that Arthur came into the place in the latter part of 1830, and left in the first part of 1832, remaining in the place about eighteen months. Both remember seeing two daughters of his, but have no recollection of any son. You see that the elder Arthur resided in Canada fifty years ago, this year. I would further say that Lyman Orcutt was married fifty years ago, this winter, by William Arthur, who then resided here. I have found it uphill work so far, as the parties I have consulted are nearly all strongly prejudiced against the Democratic Party. In looking over the whole matter, I am strongly of the opinion that the son Chester Abel died in Burlington, as reported to me by old Mr. Baker, which report I will swear to, and that the present Arthur had assumed the name of his dead brother, there is no doubt but that the son who died at Burlington is the one said to be born at Fairfield Center. Very respectfully yours, Lyndall Corley, per M.D.C. Stanbridge, January thirty-first, 1881. Dear Sir, I wrote you the result of my excursion to Adamsville and West Shefford. The maiden name of the old lady was Stone, her first husband's name was Abel Adams, and her second husband was the late Reverend Barnabas Hitchcock. She is now a widow the second time. I saw at once, when I commenced my inquiries, that she had been previously warned of what was coming. After bandaging very cautiously, I succeeded in drawing out from her the statements which I gave you in my last letter. She persists that William Arthur never had but one son— if old Mr. Baker would tell as much as he knows about the boy that died and was dissected at Burlington, it would show the world that the present Arthur is the second son. There's no doubt in my mind that Chester Abel Arthur is the one that was born in Fairfield. Mr. Stanton tells me that he has informed you where he thinks you will find George Stone, the uncle of the Mr. Arthur in question. Stephen W. Stone, another uncle to young Arthur, died in the West. His widow is living at Red Wing in Minnesota. Her maiden name was Cynthia Gray, formerly from Stanbridge. Her late husband, Stephen W. Stone, was in the service of William Arthur as copyist for the space or term of one year 
or more when Arthur was getting up his book called The American Antiquities. Were said Stone alive, he would know all about Arthur's family. I think Stone's widow, or daughter, now young lady, must know all about the family. As I said before, they are residing at Red Wing, Minnesota. I have been faithful in your service, and regret that I could not accomplish more than I have done. Have the kindness to write me upon receipt of this, and let me know what is the present situation of affairs. Ten dollars more will just cover my time and expenses. Yours truly, Lyndall Corey. There is a tombstone in the cemetery at North Fairfield, Vermont, which bears the inscription, Sacred to the Memory of Dr. Chester Abel, who died June 2nd, A.D. 1832, aged 36 years, lines three verses. Georgia Plains, April 30th, 1882. A.P. Hinman, attorney, dear sir. I received your letter of the 27th instant, in due time. It is true I have lived in Georgia more than fifty years, or seventy-three years, but William Arthur never lived in Georgia, but lived in East Fairfield, about eighteen miles northeast of Georgia, and east of St. Albans. But I have seen him many times, and heard him preach. He was a Baptist minister, and very smart, and I think that he left here soon after he was ordained and went south. Chester A. Arthur was born in Fairfield in a log house. I will refer you to Reverend Alba Sabin of Sycamore, DeKalb County, Illinois, who was raised in Georgia and lived here more than seventy-four years, was well acquainted with William Arthur and helped ordain him and was with him a good deal. He is now eighty-eight years old, but I think is able to give you a good deal of information about William Arthur and family. Perhaps you will write to Postmaster at East Fairfield, and he might direct you to some able person there that could tell you more about the family. Here's truly Alvin Mears. Georgia, May twenty-fourth, 1882. Arthur P. Hinman, Dear Sir, I received a letter from you some time ago saying that you had learned that I lived in Georgia over fifty years. I am in my seventy-first year, and have lived on the same farm I was brought up on ever since I was born, except being absent at intervals occasionally. I have had the rheumatism this winter, so I neglected answering your wishes concerning the President's father. He never lived in Georgia, to my knowledge. I remember him coming here to a protracted meeting when I was in my teens. He preached and sang the Star of Bethlehem very beautifully, the first time I ever heard it. He stayed here several days and was considered a very smart man by those who heard him preach. I think it was said by some he lived in the town of Fairfield in this county, Franklin. It is a town next east of St. Albans. It corners on to the town of Georgia. It is said by some that the president was born in the town of Fairfield. If these few lines are of any benefit to you, you are welcome to them. Truly yours, Moses Whiteman. Sycamore, DeKalb County, Illinois, May ninth, eighteen eighty two. Dear Sir, Yours of the fourth instant was duly received. I would say that I am not able to give dates definitely, but can state from recollection what I know of Reverend William Arthur. My first acquaintance with him was about the year eighteen twenty six or eighteen twenty seven. I do not recollect being one of the council that ordained Mr. Arthur. 
I met him at the annual meeting of the Fairfield Association. I learned from him that he emigrated from the north of Ireland, and that his ancestors were of Scotch descent, and were Protestants in belief. He was unfortunately afflicted with a fever sore in one of his knees while a boy, that partially crippled him, and so that the lame leg was two or three inches shorter than the other, so that he walked with that unequal step that all persons do that are thus afflicted. I think he told me that his parents made extra effort to send him to school on account of his lameness. I recollect his remarking to me that the minister in his father's parish paid him special respect as he passed out of the church, because he was a scholarly young man. He said that little mark of distinction had quite an effect upon him, and fired his ambition not a little to excel as a scholar. I do not know, as he ever told me, how far he was advanced in his education, but as he taught a select school, and had advanced scholars under him, it must have been very respectable. He taught writing schools, and was a beautiful and rapid writer, and would take down a speech as if by shorthand. He was of medium size and dark hair, with a keen penetrating eye. His articulation was distinct, his features apt, their applications easy, and not unfrequently manifesting the keenest wit. His sarcasms, when used, were cutting. His taste was nice and delicate, and would read men's characters accurately by their physiognomy. His conversation was earnest, lively, and always listened to with attention. My impression is that he left his native land soon after the close of his academic studies. First I knew Mr. Arthur. He was studying law in Berkshire in the county of Franklin, the state of Vermont. In an awakening on the subject of religion, Mr. Arthur's mind became interested and, with others, made a public profession of his faith, was baptized and associated with the Free Will Baptist Church of that place. Not long after his association with the church, the members and the people of the community expressed the opinion that he would have to preach the gospel, and, as it appeared, he felt a necessity laid upon him to do so. Soon he was licensed to improve his gift, as he should be called upon, and as he should have opportunity. This custom is adopted by all Baptist churches, that the people may judge when it is proper to call the licensed to ordination. It seems he had ample opportunity to improve his gift in quite a region around him, but as he became more acquainted with the regular Baptists, he found his views better accorded with them than with free-will Baptists, and after due consideration he withdrew from them and proposed himself to the Baptist church in Berkshire. While he was a licensed, he appointed a meeting for a lecture in a schoolhouse in East Berkshire. In that neighborhood lived old Esquire Royce, the father of Judge Stephen Royce, who was judge of the Supreme Court of Vermont for more than twenty-five years. The old squire was a man of sterling talent, but somewhat addicted to intemperance. At an early hour he went to the schoolhouse to meet the young preacher before the people should all get in and after a few moments he rose up and approached him and said, "'Young man, I thought I would come here early and examine you as to whether you would ever make a preacher.' Mr. Arthur saw in a moment that his object was to dash him before he began the meeting. Mr. Arthur, looking him in the eye, replied, "'Well, Esquire, I expect to be examined, but I did not expect it at this time or this place, 
nor before this board. But I will waive all objections, and will answer any interrogatives you please, to put to the best of my ability. The old squire said, How many islands are there in the Grecian archipelago? Arthur replied, Squire Royce, you are a Freemason, are you not? The squire answered, Yes, but I do not see what that has to do with the question. Arthur replied, If you are, you are acquainted with Morgan's masonry, and in that you will find that there are as many islands in the Greek archipelago as there were buttons on Moses' breeches. The old squire stepped up, patting him on the shoulder, and said, "'You'll make a preacher. You can preach.' The old man went and took a seat, and paid good attention through the meeting. He attended several meetings afterwards, and invited the young preacher to his house, and ever after treated him with entire respect. "'I thought I would send you this sheet to let you know that I was endeavouring to answer your request, and I am filling out another sheet, and will send it in a day or two. I may as well pay postage on two letters as on one double one. You will excuse my writing. I am an old man, and my hand often flies off at a tangent involuntarily. I am in the eighty-ninth year of my age. I was born in Georgia, Vermont, October twenty-third, 1793. The facts that I state are made from my recollection, as they lie floating on my memory. A. Sabin. End of section four. Recording by Kevin Davidson. www.bloggerdie.com.